So you wanna know? Welcome to the Swana Know Podcast. I'm your host, Annelisa Swana. Join us every week as we explore extraordinary conversations of triumph, resilience, and anything you want to know. So today I'm joined by a very special guest. I know him as a radio presenter, but he's so much I'm more I'm sitting on the other side that. today. <laughs> and he is, he is sitting on the other side today. Ayabonga Tao is in studio with us today. How are you? I'm good, thank good, you. Good, good, you know, you are our very first guest. Really? Oh, thank very you so much. first guest. So, we're excited. We're very, yeah, very, yeah, very excited. Yeah. Welcome to the Herald Sun and podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. So, firstly, I'm just going to ask you okay. a few questions. Uh, this and that type of question. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. On most days. <laughs> I'm also getting into tea now. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Earl Grey. I've always liked the Roy Boss. H um, does that too. Salon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. H does that too. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. Why? Uh, I've never had a cat. Eh? I've never, and I've always like, I guess I've bought into this idea that cats are like cunning, smart, calculating okay. animals. Yeah. All right. Be and tri- dogs are loyal. Dogs are loyal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I'm scared of dogs. <laughs> In my old age, really? I was scared of dogs. I don't know why, because I grew up with dogs at home. Even the small ones. I am scared of dogs. Like, I am that girl. When I go to a house where there's a dog, even if it's the small one, I'm like, oh, please. So, so are you those people, if you're coming over, by yeah, I'm that, I'm okay. that girl. I'm that okay. girl. Okay. And if there is a dog, if you don't mind, can it be somewhere yeah. else where we are not. I have a friend who's literally, literally scared of cats. Um, and, and this is somebody who's ne- not scared of a lot of things. But I don't know guy or cats. Yeah. It's me with dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beach vacation, mountain retreat. Ooh. You see, coming from South Africa, you have the fortune sometimes of both. Yeah? So, yeah, let me say mountain retreat for now. Mountain retreat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fiction or non-fiction books? I'm big on non-fiction. I've been told now to read a bit more fiction. So I have, over the last month or so, been trying to read a lot more fiction. I love fiction because it helps you escape. It does, but it also helps your writing. It does. Yeah. Because it makes you, like, it revives your creative... And your imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Early bird, night owl? Night owl. I hate yeah. mornings. That's why you were late mornings. this morning. Well, that's why I was three minutes late. <laughs> Thanks for giving that away. <laughs> sweet or savory snacks? Uh, sweet. Sweet. Summer or winter? Summer. I was born in winter, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I prefer summer. I was born in summer. I prefer winter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? Because I know what to wear in winter. But also, man, I grew up in Queenstown, so like, you can't really Yo. love Yo. You really can't love winter if you've grown up in Komani. Like... It's not a thing. <laughs> uh, we're from Little C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I know, no, no. Come on, winter. But I love it because you know what to wear in winter. Exactly. You wear your pollenics, exactly. you wear your jackets. In summer, yeah. and places like Queenstown in summer, it is really it's too hot. hot. Yeah. It is really yeah, 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 hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. Comedy or drama? Drama. You don't like laughing, Ivan? I do like laughing. Um, I just don't know if I. 
whenever I watch comedy, I don't know if it like pitches to the kind of humor I like. What is the so kind I like of humor that you like? Old, dry, British type comedy. You know, where like the dialogue, I have to sit for a while and be like, oh, okay. Phone call or text message? Text, text, please. Hi. Text, please. Do you know how much I love hearing people's voices? I know, but you can also send a voice note, right? No? No, man. It's like you can answer me here and now on this call. So I think for me, the difficulty is that a lot of the work I do requires okay. me to be really switched Sure. On. sure. And sometimes, you know, you could be working on something for like an hour and then get one phone call and it's your entire rhythm is gone. Okay. No, I get so you. I'm also still one of those people who like, please send me an SMS, like <laughs> send me a text. Because even WhatsApp also, you know. <laughs> I am wrong. Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. Why? Well, look, I mean, Netflix has defined a narrow choice right yeah whereas with youtube i can look for anything and it's highly likely that i'll find something no. whereas with you know um, netflix if i look at genre mm. like i like a lot of documentaries sure um and and i also like a lot of like um you know thrillers drama that kind of thing so so if i'm looking for that i'll go to netflix sure. but if i'm looking for what i normally watch which is like documentaries and stuff. all that kind of stuff then YouTube's always better. Okay, that's interesting. Dancing or singing? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of both, a bit of both. Probably, no, 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 probably uh, dancing. Ne. Yeah, yeah, I don't think um, I can. Yeah, I don't think I can sing to save my life. Okay. I sing in groups, right? You know, collective singing, not... Oh, come yeah, yeah. Not adults. Way, there's always people with stronger voices around who can, like, smother. Yeah. So dancing. Yeah. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Love the orange, love that golden hour, yeah. Lastly, city life or village life? So I'm a small town boy, you know? Sure. And I've lived now for the last, just close on 15 years in Joburg. And I can't. So definitely village life. Like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. I have more peace of mind when I'm True. like back in the rural parts of this province in particular, but just being back in the Eastern Cape, like, and that's why a lot of my work is also focused here. Uh, so Cape. I might be based in Johannesburg, mm. um, but a lot of like when I'm at my most creative, imaginative, and at my most peaceful is when yes, I'm out yeah. of the city. Yeah. Okay. I tried Joburg. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Epic fail. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like it's it's there's just a mood about it that yeah. is so restless that mm-hmm. I I I used to enjoy it when I was still in university, um, but I I don't anymore. I don't think I do anymore. So I tried Wits, went, was there for two weeks, and I was like, no, I can't do when, this. When was this? This was 2010. Okay, I was at Wits around the same time. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. like, no, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. Everyone, like things are far. Everything is far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to take all these taxis. You stay here, but school is there. No, exactly. I'm, I'm okay. But I also think it was a good lesson coming from me from a very small town to like understand how this country is designed. Right? Sure. Like, uh, so if you live in Cape Town or Johannesburg and you don't have a car, mm. like life is such an inconvenience. 
Um, and I think that, that that's something that's quite unique to South Africa. So you travel in other parts of the world and you realize like, you know, public transport mm. takes up such a big share of how people move around. Whereas in South Africa, you know, that's why car sales are always yeah. out of the roof because you can't really move without a vehicle. And you know what, what put me off was that I, I left Ritz and they told me, get on this taxi, it will take you to the main taxi. Mm. To Lourdes. Opry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Opry. Yeah, yeah. And then they dropped me <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the corner of a street. Not at the rank, no. They and I had to you. wait with this guy, like, what is this? Yeah. And they're like, wait with that guy. And then the taxi is going to exactly. come. Like, exactly. no, I can never. The worst is like sitting in a taxi and you're at the front and you have to count the money, right? <laughs> and there's people who are going to different places and therefore are paying different amounts. So you sit there and one will be like, yeah, two, six, and like five, eleven. And then they give you like 200 rand. No maths. So your, your taxi maths taxi has to maths be like is, on higher grade yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I to tell us, what have yeah. you been up to? What have you been doing? Well, a lot. I a haven't lot. heard yeah, yeah, you yeah. in a while. A lot, a lot. So, so I, I was doing Metro FM talk uh, yes. until about end of March yes. this year. Um, and at the start of the year, I started a new job. So um, okay. I'm the chief commissioner at the International Trade Administration Commission. Um, and really what we do is we issue export and import permits. We also um, okay. do investigations into customs duty tariffs. Um, so industry comes and they sure. say, look, I'd like the tariffs on uh, potatoes to go up at a certain level or the tariffs on like a certain component that goes into a vehicle. Okay. Um, so we do a lot of that kind of work, which is looking really at leveling the playing field between imports uh, of specific products and the ability to produce those kinds of things okay. domestically. So I, I'm really enjoying that. Um, it's a fascinating job. I get a fascinating level of detail into certain markets. Um, and I think it just speaks to the nerd in me, like that kind of work. Um, that, you, you yeah. know, I didn't think you were a nerd. Okay, I know yeah. I, I know you from Metro Talk. Sure, sure. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed that show a lot. And really, you did speak about serious things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I never, until now when I had to research for yeah, this yeah. podcast, I'm like, no, man, Ayabonga, yeah. you're an economist. Well, the media stuff, look, I'm not a journalist. Like, I never, I never studied journalism. I never I saw um, that. studied broadcasting. So my background, I'm an economist by yes, training. That's, that's like that. my thing. Um, and I'd come out of like the student movement, sure. you know, student politics and that kind of thing. So, so a lot of going into the media space for me was an extension of all of that stuff rather than the other way around. Um, okay. So and now that I think about it, like the first time I got into, a media, into media was um, in high school, we had a, uh, like a student's publication. Sure. Um, and really all it was, like, I mean, I went to a boys' school, so all it was was really talking about what was happening across the road at the girls' school um, and, like, talking about, like, you know, who's going to be playing on the weekend sure. or whatever. But it did plant a seed that, like, you could do so many things. It's not just about boxing yourself and saying, I'm going to be an economist, I'm going to go work in a bank, and that's my life. And I knew very early on that I was never going to be that kind of economist. Um, and that okay. I had to be somebody who creates bridges 
of understanding between different spaces. So, so if that means at some stage you're going to be in the media, you're in the media. Okay. If that means you're going to be in government, which is what I'm doing now, you're going to be in government. Tomorrow, I might be in academia, and I'm, I, I do teach as well, one block in a year. Uh, at Vits. Okay. Um, and I find it fascinating. You know. That's so interesting, yeah, 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 man. Yeah. So I try and do all of these things, but the common thread throughout is this interest that I have in three things. Money, identity, and power. And how all of these things come together, come together. and intersect. Yeah. Wow. Have you always known that you'd be an economist? That that's the route you will take in study? No. Actually not. So I, I didn't go to a school that offered economics sure. as a subject. Um, and I remember the first time where the seed was planted. We had this thing at school called like the 12 Club. And the idea was to get all of the grades 11 and 12, like top 10 academics yeah. in each grade, and they'd be invited to join this club. And all it was, you would meet on a Sunday and like talk about all the things that you would not talk about in a classroom or in the debating society or whatever. So, I mean, I remember some of the topics. Uh, now imagine this is like 2007, 2008, and people then were talking about AI, right? Um, I remember I presented my one on North Korea mm. or whatever. But what became a common thread in all of these meetings was all of us would hit up against this one problem. And the teacher was in charge always used to say, well, I wish I knew more economics because it might be economics that explains sure. that. I then um, applied to go to Rhodes and Vits. Uh, initially to study accounted roads, I ended up not going. Um, and then I signed up for a Bachelor of Economic Science because that was the only thing that still had space at Wits. Um, but that's then, brave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, my mom was like, hey, you know, <laughs> you applied late, so I just gained those alcohol, like, you'll, you'll see what you do. Um, and then I spent about that first year just trying to find my bearings. Two weeks in, I dropped the Economic Science, did a BCom Law. And by the end of my first year, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I ended up finishing off and majoring in applied economics and finance um, and then did honors in development economics and then a master's okay. as well. Yeah. So, so I didn't always know that I wanted to do economics, but, but I think it explained so many things sure. that were of intellectual, social and political curiosity for me that it was, you know, it was a perfect thing. It was fit. the perfect thing yeah, to do. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like I'd never do that. Yeah. You know, I love <laughs> I play it safe. For yeah. Her. Yeah. It's like this is what you know. You know English. Mm. You know your languages very well. Yeah. Go into journalism, girl. So so I'm 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 quite fortunate, right? So mm. I think the language bug I got from my mother. Um so she's like um Isikosa and okay. anthropology major. Um, and has oh, taught okay. English for most of her life. And she now works for the Department of Education as a curriculum advisor. Um, and so even then, I always knew, like, I was writing already in high school. Um, and I knew that whatever course I chose, I would always have the opportunity sure. to communicate. Um, and if that's on radio, good. If that's via a column, you know, I've been writing now. Oh, let me think about it. Probably my seventh year writing a column for the business for day. For the business day. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so for me, whatever I do, that will always be a part of who I am because I feel like I've been given gifts in that yeah. area that I can't really just, you know, let go. Oh, okay. So, Ayabonga, I saw you in our library the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah. the Hero Drive. You're going to see a lot of me now because uh, I'm going to come quite often. What yeah. are you doing? I'm writing my second book. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm writing my second book. Okay. Um, and you'd know the first one was yes. um, titled "The Economy on Your Doorstep," and it was really for me saying I'd learned all of this stuff in my academic training, mm. but also in the early parts of my career on microeconomic stories of parts of this country that I knew um, and that I felt I could confidently speak okay. about. And so it was really a cumulative development of like stories that I picked up from places like Mount Frere, Komani, yeah. where I'm from, you know, parts of Kabeja uh, and, and Nelson Mandela Bay area. Um, and the idea had been to say, here's the economy on my doorstep. Mm. This is how I see it. And this is how I see the agenda of changing sure. that economy. Um, so that it is able to, in outcomes, produce an environment where people can realize their potential. So many people are out of work. So many people, um, you know, have this deep sense of hopelessness. Mm. And a lot of that has to do with deep levels of economic inactivity. You know, if I grew up in an environment where people say, go to school, mm. go to university, and your talents will be put to use. And people my age, many of them a decade out of university, some have never had work. It says there's something wrong yeah. at a systemic level. And so it was Very important true. to say at a structural level, where does this economy come mm. from? Uh, how did things get to be where they are? Mm. Um, and so in the second book, I take the same approach. Okay. Um, but in this time around, I'm really trying to hone in on three parts of this province. Um, so a big part of my work, really, I think, is focused on... The Eastern Cape. Yeah, yeah, okay. or draws lessons from the Eastern Cape. Sure. Um, and that's applied in the work I do now at ITAC, which, of course, many firms benefit from our work in this area. Okay. Um, but also, I think, the work that I've done with the district development model, a lot of the muse has been the province of the Eastern Cape. Please, uh, before we move from yeah. there, tell us how firms in the Nelson Mandela Bay oh, yeah? can benefit from your work? Well, so so maybe in two ways. I think the one is, you know, the port of Port Elizabeth and the port of Mocha are critical exporting zones sure. um, and also critical importing zones. So we do a lot of permitting in the area um, for specific products. So if you are importing products that are on the prohibited or restricted list, you have to be issued with a permit and similarly so for exports. Okay. But in addition to that, um, and I've had some fascinating discussions in the last few weeks when I was here uh, with some of these firms, some of the firms would need raw materials. So let me give you one example. There's a linen manufacturing business um, not too far from Guazakele. Okay. Um, and those who know will know exactly who I'm talking about. Now that firm, from time to time, needs to import certain fabrics that aren't produced in the country. Sure. But they would pay a tax on that. Um, and now our view as a government in our industrial policy framework is to say, we want these firms to invest. We want them to create as many jobs, which benefit the communities of the northern areas of Guazakele, of Zuita, and yeah. so on. Um, but if these companies have to have this extra cost now, because they have to get the material, say, from China or Thailand or wherever, um, how do we give them a rebate? And okay. so we process administratively that, that process sure. of rebates. Um, so in that case, it's rebates on textiles. But even for some of the automotive guys, they get rebates on the leather sometimes that goes into the cars they make or any components that aren't necessarily produced here. So many of the firms in clothing and textile, food and beverages, and in the automotive sector mm. um, here in the Bay Area would benefit from the work okay. we do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so a big part of the second book then is to say, 
having understood and set out this history, which I think is quite important, and, and you know, I don't think we know as much um, about where we come from as we would like, you know, and, and I think coming, as I did from the student movement and this idea of how do we better contend with the colonial history mm. we come from and how do we subvert that, um, a lot of my work has been important to use history as a method, you know, not just the graphs, not just the maths, but to also use history and people's life stories as an example. So a big part of my work now is in a triangle. Um, so the one part of the triangle is what would be called the Whittlesea, Oxkral, Kamastone sure. area. The other part is the Fort Beaufort, Cat River side. Okay. And then the other leg is then, you know, Pedi, Kaiskamau, King Williamstown. Yes. And the idea behind all three of these legs is to say this history of like land reform, for mm. example, starts much earlier. Mm. Both, all three of these areas have a history of like mission and Christianity. And that is the first le level yeah. of a land reform project. But if you actually track it across the century, you find that even the Saskai experiment, and that's why I was here in the library, um, tried to reinforce or subvert that in particular mm. ways. And I think even now we're dealing with the same thing. So some of the questions that arise from this work is, you know, um, how do we understand, for instance, dairy production in the Okral Kamastur yes. area? Um, how do we understand why there's no longer massive pineapple production for processing in Mushu, for instance? Um, and what can we learn from that experiment mm. that can inform how we design local economic development strategies, uh, the land reform project itself, but also forms of income support? Because you've got to link the grants into yeah. it. You can't be paying like 18 million grants every month and not following the money. Sure. Yeah. Sure, that is so interesting because uh, I am from that... That, e that belt, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That area. Yeah, yeah. And when you speak Cat River, there's a lot of citrus exactly. farming. Exactly, for export. Yes. Yeah. So, so for me, take Cat River. Mm. Fascinating example. So, so we grow up in South Africa, right, with sure. this idea that there are African people, there are colored people, there are Indian people, and then there are white people. Mm. But Cat River is one of the first examples in the Eastern Cape of, if you think of these as distinct categories, a multiracial society, yes. right? Cat River, before many of those large commercial citrus farmers you see there, was actually land that was given to a group of Kosa and, um, you know, at the time, Khoisan yeah. descent and, you know, Honakwa people. And they were the first ones who made a shot at making that land productive. So much so that nearly close to 150 years ago, they were exporting oranges from that part of the world. Not too far from here in Yenon, um, you know, same thing was happening. Yeah. And it was people who now would be called colored who are in that part of the world in a citrus-growing Sunday's River Valley, who 200 years ago were exporting citrus to Germany. Now, I grew up in the Eastern Cape. I didn't know the story. Mm. Um, and so for me, a lot of the work I've tried to do in excavating that history, in so many ways, has also changed me. You know, it's changed how I understand my surroundings. It's changed how I, I think about what the future ought to look like. Because in many ways, it kind of opens the bounds of... Mm how we can imagine that different future. Okay. When is your book coming out? Well, I'm still writing it, so... 
I, look, I hope it's out by 2025, the start okay. of 2025. Um, I, I don't get as much time to write as I'd like. Imagine. Um, I also now I'm trying to read a bit more fiction, so I can't be stuck reading, you know, reports, newspaper archives. Um, but I've, I've got a skeleton of the book. And I'm I'm planning in the second half and in the first half of second half of this year and the second half of next year um, to do some field work and to do a bit more archival work. Sure. Um, and I'm hoping it, it it's a book that will not just resonate with people who understand these areas, but also for people to ask themselves. You know, I might be in Pumalanga. Mm-hmm. You know, surely the book should mm-hmm. give me some tools to be able to better understand my own environment mm-hmm. um, using the method that the book uses. Yeah. All the best in Thank writing. You. All the best in writing. Why is it so important to you, Ayabonga? Like as we're talking now, why is it so important to you that we know our identity? Yeah. Why is that a thing for you? Well, well it's a map, sure. right? So people who don't know who they are, where they come from, will have a very hazy sense of where it is they want to go. Um, so, so things happen to us, mm. right? Um, and we are sometimes unable to contextualize what those things mean because a fundamental disconnect has happened between who we are and, you know, what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So for me, that's, it's a very important part of my own life's work um, to better understand the origin story. You know, you go to other parts of the world, you go to the States, for instance, every year, there is somebody who's doing some film or other production talking about the war of independence, mm. you know, against the British sure. or, you know, the reconstruction period uh, where black people had some chance um, or slavery or any of that. And I don't think we do as good a job in South Africa of doing the same. Now, remember, the civil war in the U.S. is happening at the same time where the wars of dispossession are happening here. I, I haven't seen a movie about Jongum Sobong Magoma, who effectively fought in like four of the nine frontier wars. Yeah, so, so I, I, I get so shocked because, you know, if, if you think about all of the big things that are historical accounts of what's happened in the world, right? You know, um, at the same time where all of that was happening in the US and in Europe, we were also engaged in imperial or anti-imperial wars of dispossession here. So I've never seen a film on Chongum Sobom Vumakom or a children's book or a comic. I've never seen one on, you know, the first ordained mm. uh, preacher, the Free Church of Scotland, Diosoka. Here, I haven't. We read, you know, Dios, when we sing Diosoka's hymn uh. in churches all the time. We sing Zikana's bell and his hymn all the time in church. But none of us really, really engage so with what that is, right? So... So for me, I think a big part of my work is to take the privilege I have of having like different platforms within which to operate mm-hmm. and to begin to excavate this history and give it some contemporary relevance. Um, and it's not just about the history, by the way, but it's about saying, you know, what do we understand about that history and the possibilities it gives us now? So for instance, if, if I think about a big part of what I'm working on at the moment uh, for the second book, so I'm having to go to like a lot of Isikosa poetry, you know, so Mkai, yes. Chaka, John Solilo, um, I'm forgetting a few others. But as I go to that work, I mean, this is work written 
in some cases late 19th century early yes. 20th century nearly 100 years ago and i don't know if this generation is doing that work right um so if you take ngugi wa tiongo right mm. he writes in english mm. and then he stops at some stage and he writes in kikuyu um we haven't had that moment here but actually and that's what i would have thought but if i go back further and check the work of mkai i begin to realize that actually no there were people 100 years ago who were probably much further then than where we are now and i think a lot of the work we need to do is to do this question of psychological reparations sure. right so we need to repair a lot of what's been lost sonzagele you know and and you see it in how it's then manifested in social things that we see you see it in how alcoholism mm. ravages our communities how violence mm. uh, ravages our communities how gender based violence how you know there's probably six taverns in many of the streets but no library um so all of these things arise from one horrible self image two sure. inferiority complexes and three the sense of misunderstanding of one's identity mm. and by extension where they are in this relay of history right because every generation has to kind of take this on and hand it over to the next one um and i think a lot of that continuity in particularly in the lives of african colored and indian communities in south africa has been harmed mm. and so a big part of our generational task is this reparative work mm. you know how do we reconstruct our mm. communities how do we reconstruct our families and how do we reconstruct our minds personally at an individual level that's so true yes ibonga when you said sonzagele like i felt that sonzagele ka khulu i'm i'm thinking at home so now our parents mm. have passed on yeah that generation yeah yeah we are the parents now <laughs> <laughs> yeah that so umagazwam was doing something mm. and now we get in cold nifika nini ngakoyibona get on with it no asikai akobantu Yeah, you, you are the mean? people. What do you mean akobantu? Now I'm say I'm raising a child now in Johannesburg who has no frame of reference just as an example who has no frame of reference about firstly the procedural elements of Ugwenzum Sebenzi, right? Because now I don't think I understand it as well as I should. Mm. Let's start there. Um what is the implication of that? Right? And if we lose touch with that what do we put in its place and i think for me that's the mm. problem so so we've got you know a society where we've lost our bearings mm. um in such fundamental ways that it makes it so easy for us to get you know sucked into consumerism sucked sure. into instant you know and um gratification and all of those things um without a much longer term view of what we want with our lives what we want from our communities what we want from our households and what we want from ourselves why ah that is that is something sunzakel that is something ebonga yeah. thank you so much for joining us thank you. and that's all we have time for today i was hoping we'd chat some more but yeah. next time ne? please please and and please may this work continue because i think a big part of of healing a lot of the hurt pain and i think the brokenness that we have in our communities all of that is stitched together with the work that you guys do here with the work that you do 
um, you know, in the papers you issue every morning, uh, which to us might just seem like catching up, but I think for many of you is a labor of love. And long may that work continue. Um, and uh, I read the Herald online, by the way. So if I want to catch up with anything that's happening in the Bay Area, I that. know where to go. We love that. Thank you so much. But lastly, yeah, yeah. if you could have dinner with any historical figure, Ooh. who would it be? Does it have to why? be one? Does it have to be one? One, I have one. One, okay. Yo. Hmm. Give me, give, give me 30 seconds. Yeah, two, okay. Um, I think the one would be the guy I spoke about in Kai. Uh, definitely, I think, you know, for me, his work as a bridge between two worlds at that time, I think is fascinating. Um, and then the, I think the second person would be Brenda Fassi. Ne? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? I don't know, man. Like, so for me, you know, I try and write in a way where, and even in some of my work, mm. where a certain chutzpah and cheekiness comes out, right? Um, because it's not fun if you don't do it like that. And I think for me, in many ways, Brenda Farsi was an embodiment of that unrestricted child and the expressiveness of that unrestricted, that unsocialized child in all of us. And I'm not saying, I'm not infantilizing and saying she was a child. But I'm saying she was able, you know, to find in her the greatest expression of self. Um, and that doesn't mean she was perfect or didn't have her mm. own contradictions. But it just says that, you know, if you can find that place in you, then you can make beautiful things. And I think you see it, man, whenever, you know, her music yeah. comes on, wherever yeah. you are, in whatever community you're in in South Africa, it just takes people somewhere. And, um, yeah, so I would have loved to have had, you know... Um, dinner with somebody like that and um, Kai as well. And there are many, many others. But I think for me, if there's two who just come yes. to mind all the time, it certainly has to be those two. Thank you so much, Ayabonga. You coming back now? Yeah, 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 invite me again. Why not? Definitely, you're welcome. Thank you so much. That's all we have for today on Swana No. Swana No More, tune in again next week. Bye.